following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. Good morning. Now you're wondering what I'm going to speak on this morning, aren't you? If you were here last week, it won't be Nahum. I hope, I'm sorry to disappoint those of you who are looking for more from Nahum now. But anyway, today... I have something different. Uh, and yesterday at the men's meeting, we were talking about these things. And so I presented yesterday. And those men who were in that, that meeting, they've already heard some or most of what I'm going to just say. But there are a couple of them whom I spoke with. They said it's okay to hear it again today. <laughs> okay. But it's not all exactly the same. But here's what the subject is, the, the title that I chose for today. It's called Strangers from a Biblical Perspective. Now you might wonder, where is that going to go? I became interested in this term strangers in the scriptures. Many times reading through, and you will see a lot of references to strangers and what, you know, various information relating to strangers. Pastor had a sermon back in March where he referenced a couple of those. And when I was looking back through some of my notes, I saw that, and I had made a note because I wanted to and had intended to do more with looking into that. So I, I did a search, or some searches, and I, I searched on the term stranger. Now that term, just stranger in the New King James Version, and it, so for the, uh, 83 83 hits within seven to eight verses. And I thought, well, that's really quite interesting. That's quite significant. So that's 83 and just the word stranger. Now, I added an S to the word. And I got 46 more hits in 45 verses. So that means that the word is very prominent. In, in the scriptures, particularly in the Old Testament, but we see the word used in the New Testament as well. And I began then to look at the verses, try to work through all those verses and see, well, what are these verses saying and what are they doing? And basically what I did is I tried to put some category, categorize them in some sense so that we could think about them and and learn something from, from that idea of strangers. So who are strangers? We see in various of the texts that we look at, strangers who are people who are temporary in a certain setting. There might be temporary people who come in to live among the Israelites, or there might be more permanent people but that's not their land. That's not their heritage. They don't have any inherited rights, as it were. But so generally, strangers are people from another place, and they are lodging somewhere or they're living somewhere. There are a number of different Hebrew words that are translated by the word stranger or strangers in our text. And so not every place where I read and it says stranger 
is a translation of the same Hebrew word. I just want you to, to, to recognize that. And so there are nuances as to the words. But for our purposes today, the, the general idea of what a stranger is is sufficient for our purposes. And so we are looking at it from that perspective. So there are several things then that we are hoping to accomplish in what we're doing in looking at this. And I've just spoken about the first of those, and that is just simply the prominence of the term or the prominence of the uh, expression. You might also see alien in your text. You might see the word uh, sojourner. or You might even see the word foreigner. And these will vary some depending on which translation you're looking at. And even the searches that I did, I just stuck with the NKJV for my searches. But I also saw what the numbers were for various other <laughs> translations. But, I, you know, we, we didn't go beyond just to look at those numbers and that. So we will see some references, and we will visit some places here where it's speaking about Israel being a stranger. So there were strangers and, well, the most uh, prominent one uh, or, or expression of their being strangers is, is obviously the experience in Egypt, where they were strangers there. But so we, and there are other references too. So Israel had an experience in their history as living as strangers. We also see and revisit some references that speak about people living among the Israelites, strangers living among them. And we'll see some of the implications and some of what all that is about. And then uh, we know that God has a special people, Israel, and that proper worship of God was uh, specified. You know, God told what, them what to do. And so if they were to worship, worship properly, they were instructed as to how to do that. So there was no issue about what is the proper way. And so that was Israel. So the law was given to the Israelites. And so we say, so then what about strangers? And so we're going to see some references with regard to that. And so, you know, what to do with the strangers, how to treat them, and all that sort of thing. What about the laws? There were a lot of Mosaic laws. God gave a lot of laws. What about those laws? We know for Israel, God says these are the things. What about for the strangers? So these are some of the kinds of things that, and so what basically I've done is, is to show you how some of these verses coalesce around certain general topic areas. And the topics that I have selected are not mutually exclusive, but I think we can see kind of grouping these things might be helpful. Now, I want to start in the text by looking at Genesis chapter 12. Now, the first part of Genesis chapter 12, the part of Genesis chapter 12 that I'm turning to now does not contain the word stranger, 
but it is helpful for us to, 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 to look there, and I will tell you why. When we turn to 12, Genesis 12 and verse number 1, listen to what it says here. Now the Lord has said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, here's the way I was thinking. I was thinking that if we think about that little section here, particularly the last part of that, as a broad context in which we are looking at this idea or this expression of strangers that we are looking at through these verses. And I think it will help us to see how what is happening is, is that God has certain things that are to be learned, and we can look in here and see and learn uh, from those kinds of things. Now, the next verse that I want to go to is in chapter 15 of Genesis. And so the Abrahamic covenant, I mentioned yesterday, and I, it's very interesting to me how this is, is given to us. Let me read through the first six verses here first. And these things, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring indeed. You have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Now, verse 6. This is really quite an exchange that is going on here. Because Abram, I, I said Abraham, he was to be called Abram later. But for him, he could not understand how it could be that he could have descendants of his own body. He thought that was off the table, out of the question. But God said, no, this is my plan, and my plan is that the heirs, that you're going to have descendants from your own body. That's going to be 
what the way it's going to be. So now verse 6 says this, And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. And so now here we have this great statement of faith of Abraham, and we have righteousness, and we have him believing in God. He believed in God, and God put to his account a stamp of saying righteous. Now, when we go to verse 13, the way that I think on things, what we see in verse 13 will come as a surprise. Let me read that. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants shall be, and here's that word, strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. So here we see, beginning in verse, in chapter 12, God has said to Abram, you're going to have these descendants, and they, you know, for the blessing of the whole world. And now he says, these very people are going to have 400 years in captivity as strangers. And they did. So something is going on here. What's going on here? Strangers. Let me read another place in Genesis chapter 28. Israel as strangers. In chapter 28, and verses 3 and 4. I'm bringing it into a context, but hopefully this is enough to make the point I'm looking at. Or maybe I should start at verse 28, verse 1. In chapter 28, verse 1. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan, Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from them, uh, there, the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. That's what God says. I'm going to read another one over here in chapter 37. And this one is in verse number 1. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And I will read one more on that and then move on to the next portion. In Exodus chapter 6. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 14. No, I'm sorry. Exodus 6, 
verses 1 to 4. Okay. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of this land, his land. And Moses, and God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, was I, not, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. So Israel, were, they were strangers in, in those places. Now, the next place that I'm going here is drawing our attention to some of those references to strangers who were among the Israelites. And so, if you had been a stranger and had lived in an experience like the Israelites lived under the Egyptians, how might you think about people who, when we might say the tables are turned and strangers come in and live among you, what might your disposition be toward those people? Particularly if some of those people were or had connections with the people who had done the horrifying things to you. Anyway, let's look at strangers among Israelites and some of the things that we see. If we look in Exodus chapter 22, we will see the first of those ones that I will draw our attention to. In Exodus chapter 22, in verse number 21, it says this, You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him. And then it says, For you were strangers in Egypt. So he's connecting how they ought to treat the strangers among them to the fact that they were strangers in Egypt. So the fact that they were strangers in Egypt is supposed to serve as a deterrent for them so that they don't mistreat those who are coming in among them. That's what it's supposed to do. And now look at 23, verse 23. And it gets even more interesting. In verse number 9, chapter 23, verse 9, I'm still in Exodus. This is what it says there. Also, you shall not oppress a stranger, for you know the heart of a stranger, because you were strangers in Egypt. So that's really getting to the heart of the matter. To say, you've experienced what it is to be in that circumstance. So do not use it as an occasion for mistreatment and for oppression. The NET translates that verse I just read this way. You must not oppress a resident foreigner since you know the life of a foreigner. For you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. 
And so that direct connection to the experience, and the experience is supposed to inform them as to how to treat those who are in among them. That's interesting. The next one I'm going to use here is in Leviticus. And this one has to do with benevolent concern for strangers who are in among them. In chapter 17 and verse 13, he says this, when whatever man of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell among you, who hunts and catches any animal or bird that may be eaten, he shall pour out his blood and cover it with dust. Now that one is just simply saying that the same rule for each was this, each of them had the same rule. But uh, now we're going to go to chapter 19. And in chapter 19 and verse 10, and this is actually, this, the comment about, I made about the benevolence refers actually to this one. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord, your God. And so that is saying those who are strangers, they get to be uh, in a position where they can have their needs met, even as the poor of your own would be able to have their needs met. And that's the provision that is given there for it. Let's move along to Deuteronomy chapter 10. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, we're going to see something that goes beyond what we have just been saying. And then we're going to connect that one with Psalm 146, verse 9. But first in Deuteronomy chapter 10, Beginning in verse 17, it says this. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger. That's what it says. God, it says, loves the stranger. Giving him food and clothing. Therefore, Love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. So, again, connected to Egypt. But now God is saying what his disposition is towards the strangers and said, now let yours be the same. So that's really what we're supposed to be about, right? Trying to learn how to think God's thoughts after him and then letting that be our thoughts. That's what this idea is. And so he says in verse 20, you shall fear the Lord your God and you shall serve him. And to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. He is your praise, and he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt with 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven in multitude. So that's really quite an interesting thought there, the idea that is expressed here, that God loves strangers. In Psalm 
146 and verse 9. It says, the Lord watches over strangers. And so we read here in Deuteronomy, it says the Lord loves the stranger. And Psalm 146 verse 9 says, the Lord watches over the strangers. So what do you think Israel should do with regard to the strangers who are in among them? Well, if they want to be like God, then they want to adopt his view and his way of doing things. And the expression is given there. So there are a lot of these kinds of expressions and verses. And we visited a number of them yesterday, and I told them, and I had, you know, there were just so many more that we didn't get close. We didn't even get close to visiting all the ones that I have in my, in my notes. And, but it's, for me, a very instructive uh, study to look at this. So I'm going to move along now because one of the things that I mentioned that we're trying to look at is I listed several things, and the next one of those is has to do with religious worship. And so what are the implications for strangers in among Israel with regards to religious worship? We know there's only one proper worship of God, and that is whatever he prescribes for this particular period in time. In Exodus chapter 12, in Exodus chapter 12, and we will look at verse 48 for, for this. In Exodus 12, and verse 48 says, And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all of his males be circumcised and let, them, and let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as a native of the land. For no uncircumcised, uncircumcised person shall eat it. And so the same rule was applying. And so I said to keep as a broad idea or a broad overarching uh, context that God's intent through Abraham was that all the world should be blessed. Now he's talking about how to properly worship him. And he said, well, for the stranger and for the Israelite, it's the same. How can a person come to God in a right way, in a person, even now, today? How do you come to God? How can you approach him? How can you be made right with him or be declared justified or righteous in his sight? There's only one way. God has just told what it is. It doesn't matter who the people are, where they're from, or what they look like, or anything else about them. It's all about God and what he said. It's just the same one thing. And so those Israelites, they had what God has said. And the stranger who wanted to be with them or wanted to accept their religion or, or to worship with them, they had to do it the exact same way. And God was not going to tolerate false worship. Let me, I'm not going to belabor this point, but I'm going to go to one more here. In, in chapter 20, verse 2, in Leviticus. Uh, 20 and verse 2 of Leviticus. It says here, again, well, let me read verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, again, 
You shall say to the children of Israel, whoever of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who gives any of his descendants to Moloch, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. And so this uh, way of doing things, God says, for the stranger and for the Israelite, it's the same. He's not making a distinction between them. They both would get the same penalty if they violate uh, in that way. And so the ways of giving sacrifices and all that. So there's so many things there that are said that it's the same. The stranger and the Israelites, they're under the same rule for worship. And so if they're to worship God in truth, or as we say, in spirit and in truth, then it's going to be the same way. God says he looks at the strangers and he loves them. God's love. Amazing. And I want to look at some of the things here where there were a lot of laws that were given as to how Israelites were to conduct themselves in various matters. And in several places, there is this expression one, the word one, one law, one ordinance. I want to pick up on a few of those because we're saying strangers are reference to the Mosaic law is a broad heading that I have and there are lots of verses that I put under that. But I'm just going to select a few. In Exodus uh, chapter 12 now, we were just there, Exodus chapter 12, and it's the next verse from what we just read that we're going to look at now. Exodus chapter 12, and that would be verse 49. And it says, One law shall be for the native-born and for the stranger who dwells among you. One law. In Numbers chapter 15, I'm going to turn there. In Numbers chapter 15, in Numbers 15, in verses 15 and 16, it says, One ordinance shall be for you of the assembly and for the stranger who dwells with you, an ordinance forever throughout your generations. As you are, so shall the stranger be before the Lord. One law and one custom shall be for you and for the stranger who dwells with you. I mentioned yesterday the, the Code of Hammurabi from the ancient Near East 18th century and how they codified certain things. But they have specific strata of people, three levels. And those had three different sets of uh, penalties for various kinds of offenses. That is different from what is here. This is God's revelation to Israel. And he's saying, this one law, this one ordinance, this one thing, just one, and it's for all the people, the same. In verse number 29, also, again, in, I'm still in 15, Numbers 15, verse 29. And you shall have one law for him who sins unintentionally for him that is native-born among the children of Israel, 
and for the stranger who dwells uh, among you. And then in 35, chapter 35, and verse 15, I'm still in Numbers, the book of Numbers. In chapter 35, verse number 15. Now this is talking about the cities of refuge. And we remember that the cities of refuge were set aside specifically for a specific purpose. Because sometimes a person will kill someone. And the way that the kinsman uh, redeemer law worked, that, that somebody who would have the authority uh, to take the person's life. But what the citizens of refuge did was it provided a safe haven for the person to be able to get there until due process was carried out. I use the word due process. Most of us are familiar with what that means. But what it means is that there was a process that they were to go through to determine if the person was guilty, I would say was guilty of murder. If they were not guilty of murder, then they were not to be put to death. They would be a lot required to stay there until the death of the high priest. And if they left, then they could be put to death after that because they didn't follow the, the requirement. But it was a safe haven for the ones who had innocently taken a life, a penalty, but not a life penalty to forfeit their own life. And so, that, so that's what the city refuge was. Due process is an important thing. <laughs> we say it is. I mean, we, we want it to be carried out properly. If you're accused of something, you don't want somebody just to be able to snuff you just because they said so. <laughs> you know? You want the proper process. And so that sort of the correct determination can be made. And so, so that if you really are innocent, that you will be declared innocent. Or not guilty, as it were. Not declared innocent, but declared not guilty if you're innocent. But anyway, so listen to verse number 15 in chapter 35 in Numbers. It says this, These six cities shall be for refuge for the children of Israel, for the stranger, and for the sojourner among them. And anyone who kills a person accidentally may flee there. Okay, so that provision was available across the board. It didn't matter what your social status was or what your wealth was or anything about you. It's just that you were in that circumstance and the law applied to everybody the same. So, strangers. Strangers from a biblical perspective. Sojourners. Foreigners. Foreigners. I find this to be a very interesting concept. And I was thinking about a couple of verses here. The New Testament also uses the word strangers. I'm just going to bring in a couple of references. The gospel message was brought or was delivered to the Gentiles. But it was Israelite-centered in its beginning. Ephesians 2.19 says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens 
with the saints and members of the household of God. And so within the household of God, no, no strangers, no foreigners, but fellow citizens. In Hebrews chapter 13, I mean chapter 11 and verse 13, it says, These all died, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now, for those who are the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, I think it's fair to say that we are strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We are residents here, but this is not our permanent home. We are sojourners. We are, in a sense, we are foreigners. Foreigners, we're citizens of a different kingdom, of a different place, strangers. But in the meantime, we're here. And I think we can think about these kinds of teachings and think about it when when we are strangers in a strange place and when strangers come in among us. That's, uh, we're going to pray and close. Our Father, thank you that you permitted us, granted us, allowed us the privilege to hear someone proclaim the gospel message to our ears that you worked in our hearts to hear and to believe and to receive the one who knew no sin, that we could be made the righteousness of God after he was made sin for us. We pray in his precious name with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you very much. Appreciate your kind listening. <laughs>